Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. I am your host, June Ramli, and today we are joining, we are joined by entrepreneur Bruce Puntip, founder of G Adventures, a pioneer of community tourism, and the executive producer of the documentary, The Last Tourist. The Last Tourist is an award-winning documentary that addresses the real impact of mass tourism on the environment, wildlife, and vulnerable communities in 16 different countries. With the post-pandemic travel resuming at a fast pace, my chat with uh, Bruce today will involve around how we can become more responsible travelers. So, Bruce, it's super great to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great, and thanks. thank you for having me. Awesome. So, okay, let's dive right into the questions. First, could you take me through the motions on how uh, The Last Tourist, your premiere, your first documentary got its start? Oh, uh, that's a, a very long uh, process. Uh, it was six years ago that we had our first meeting about the possibility of you know, the first meeting was about doing our own doc short documentary with iPhones. The actual meeting was about the advancement in technology and iPhones being digital and HD now. And could we possibly, you know, put together our own documentary, kind of telling our own story and make it kind of do it like with our own people internally, like our own content team and make a documentary short. And that kind of escalated to, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we should hire a writer, an external writer that can put the content together and make the story, you know, um, and uh, then they came to me and said, we should get a director. This is, there's a lot here. It's a much bigger story and it's bigger than G Adventures actually. It's a bit, it, there's a big tourism kind of um, uh, angle here. And once we, we searched for a director, we found a director who had, you know, was experienced and uh, was passionate about this particular project, which took some time. And then he, they came to me and said, you know, this is a big movie. Like we could do a really full length documentary here. It was just a matter of budget, you know, it's about, it went from, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and using our resources to millions to produce a, um, a full-length documentary and, you know, then being, and it was just kind of a passion project in the end for everyone. Everyone is, you know, really putting, you know, all of their efforts into it. And um, yeah, it was, and it, was, it came, it came together really quickly. Okay. So was it challenging to produce the documentary? So you said six years ago, right? So what mm -hmm. happened to the pandemic? Because it's just released uh, in Australia, 1st of March. Yeah. So um, was it released last year? The it was released last year in, in North America. Uh, uh -huh. It was much more complex to get. Uh, Australia is more difficult for, uh, it's the rating system, I think. It's, it's really out of our hands once we sell the documentary to a, dis a distribution company. So, you know, we have a distributors who kind of, who dealt with the the um, the dis, you know dist the distribution in Australia and New Zealand, and for some reason it took longer to get the ratings. Um, but it's it was released in United States and Canada last year. Um, it was and it, and it was released in Australia, I guess, about, like last week. That it's in all the on the streaming channels and and uh, it's in next month it's going to be released in the UK and parts and the rest of Europe. So it's 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 been a, a long process, but you have to understand this this film came out of nowhere, right? Like. Yeah. A, a, a private company funded it and it had to go through the film festival circuit to win awards and get attention because it didn't go through the regular 
um, uh, the, the regular ways in which documentaries get seen or sold. Okay, can I just take you back there? So what do you mean by ratings? Like uh, for Australia, you need the ratings. What does that mean? Um, I think um, in order for a film to be approved in a country, it has to be watched and, and rated, like, you know, parental guidance or, you know, whatever rating. Uh, and it's got to be approved. And Australia has a much more complex system. I, um, it's, that's my understanding. That's why sometimes you guys don't get movies until really late because the rating... Um, and, and usually that's a process with the with the film, uh, uh, with the producers of films, because like if it's a movie that, you know, you're trying to get into a certain rating that you can negotiate back and forth of cutting some parts, adding some parts, you know, understanding what, you know, uh, what Australians, the, 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 I don't know, censors or the boards that, that just decide these things, um, you know, what they want in order to get the ratings you want. Documentaries are a little different. Um, ours, you know, was pretty, uh, you know, it's about tourism and tourism is a big, industry in Australia. So I think that it took time for them to kind of approve it um, because it's critical of, uh, you know, a lot of mainstream tourism. And so th there's just a process that every country has to have to, um, every country has things I guess they want their their nation to see and um, and they're protective of things that come in that they, um, you know, I, you might call that censorship, but every country kind of has a level of censorship or standards that have to be followed I think Australia is kind of known, I think, for being a little bit, a mm. little bit more difficult, I think. <laughs> okay, so did you do any work during lockdown? Because we were, the you said six years, right? so it, the, the process did go through the lockdown, 2020 yeah. 20 to 20, well, yeah. Yeah, well, the film was all filmed by, by the time, like all the filming was done before the pandemic, and we were in editing at that stage. Uh, but then the pandemic hit and we ended up reopening the film and um, adding more to it because it yeah. was so relevant to what we were talking about. Yeah. We were kind of grateful that, um, you know, we didn't release the film sooner um, because if we'd have re released the film and then the pandemic hit and, and how it's changed travel so much, um, it would have been irrelevant very quickly. So we were quite happy that we got a chance to, um, you know, add a COVID message messaging in the film because it, it really is a, a, a very a, a very positive message of hope about tourism um, and COVID kind of just highlighted a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the movie um, but you know when it came out so closely after COVID many people thought like how how did Bruce Punta yeah. do that how did he how did he predict and make a documentary so fast people don't know I was working on it actually for six months it was just kind of a coincidence but don't tell anyone that that's our secret <laughs> So how much of a change that you had to, you know, endure during COVID? Was it a big change or just... For me? Yeah, no, for the documentary, for the documentary. Oh, um, well, yeah, it's quite a bit. I mean, it's, it was more reinforcing all the messages. We had to reopen the film completely to add a COVID. Like, when you add sections to a movie, like, I learned all this along the way. I'm not, like, I'm not an executive producer or film guy. I, got, you know, kind of got thrown into this whole project in many ways, and I learned along the way. And um, you know, you know, we we have to reopen the film and add um, parts to it. And when you have, you know, it, it's it's quite a complex process because you know when you have a soundtrack and you colorize films and you edit and you have film, um, you have animation, you have all kinds of things that make your film come together. Um, and COVID wasn't taken into consideration when we were filming the content and the script of what we were trying to yeah. put together. And so to reopen it and add it um, is more complex than just filming a few little scenes. Um, 
Now, so that's that's way above my pay grade because that's the writers and the directors that kind of did all that. You know, I I I'm I as an executive producer, I was you know I we, I funded the film, I watched the kind of final kind of, I gave my opinions after a lot of that stuff was done. They they had full creative control. Tyson, the director, had you know full creative control to you know to um, take the film in any direction he chose. Um, and as you know, it went from you know six years ago being a a, a film about our company. To, if you've seen it, like it doesn't mention G Adventures even once because the yeah, story is yeah. much bigger than that, and um, and that was kind of the you know that's you know that's how we you know we have a big we have a philosophy and you know what, what uh, you know at G Adventures if you can't travel with us travel like us and this was kind of putting our money where our mouth is that we wanted to produce this film even though it wasn't a you know a vanity kind of corporate commercial for G Adventures it was still a very positive message of how we can impact positively by traveling. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I'll talk about the budget. Uh, I sure. mean, you can you can just tell me which whatever you feel like telling me. So, the it was kind of like fully funded by yourself. Or mm -hmm. uh, so it, this is for you know wannabe filmmakers out there who aspire to be like you one day. Yeah. How does one like you're a full fledged businessman and you're a, yeah. uh, you own a travel agency, but you you did a, a movie on the side, right? So. Like, tell us a ballpark figure of the costing. Like, what are we looking here? Like, for something for the last tourist, what's the? Well, I think, you know, I I can't give actual numbers because there were so many people who worked on this film and, and contributed their time. Uh, in the end, like you, you know, when I when I'll I'll be honest with what we thought the budget could be. We thought originally we could do this budget for like a half million dollars, okay. right? And so that was kind of the with the thought that we could. And then once we got all the film crews out on the road and, you know, we realized we had to cover the whole world and we got to go to 16 countries instead of three or four countries, the budget just kept blowing up as the story started growing and the content and, and we built trust in each other between the director. I was learning along the way. It was really um, an organic process for us. But, you know, if you actually, but there were so many people specifically, um, you know, our editors and directors and producers who, you know, made very little um, and gave tons and tons of time. Like it was years of time and it was a labor of love for many people. And so if I said like, you know, you know, millions of, of dollars in hours, it wasn't millions of dollars that cost us because there was, you know, we, we increased our budget as we could. And there was a line in which we said, you know, we, there's no return on investment for this for us, you know. Um, but yeah, like a, a movie like this would would take uh, you know would take millions to do, um, and but with the the amount of hours that we had and the people that contributed and that were so passionate about this this you know film, you know everyone kind of had a part in putting it together. I mean, we still paid a lot of money, um, and you know we had you know, even the place where we edited the uh, edited the film and. You know, they gave us, you know, just many hours of off hours in the studio for free, and we were negotiating just to get it done because it it grew into be, be such a big project compared to what it started off to be, and then COVID hit, mm. and that expanded the whole production cycle when we had to reopen the film and restart shooting and restart editing again. So, uh, and then by then there was a lot of people bought into the whole concept of the movie, the idea of the movie. So. Everyone is passionate. I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful for a lot of people that contributed, um, you know, you know, a lot of hard work and heart and soul um, and their time uh, to get this film done. So how did you do the shooting uh, during pandemic? 
Like, was it a well, most of the most of the shooting was done before the uh, actually all the shooting was done before the pandemic. Oh. So yeah, yeah, we had all the shooting done before the pandemic. Now we added some scenes um, with the pandemic, and we were able to um, you know use some of the film that we had. Um, we use we did do a little bit of filming, but that kind of filming was more uh, airport filming, like of because we were talking about the world shutting down, and we we were able to you know get some footage to use for that. Um, like we have, uh, there's some really cool shots of, you know, the Times Square empty, like not a single car, not a single person in it. And we were able to get, you know, film some cool scenes like that. Um, but, um, yeah, but we had to be creative for sure. Okay, cool. So, um, I also noticed, right, uh, forgive me, because I actually saw the, the documentary before interviewing you. It has, uh, you use kind of still images. And then at the end, I saw the credits. You gave credit to Getty, Getty Image, mm -hmm. and all these things. So you know those animals where the animals will be in the circus, and mm -hmm. um, some tourists will see uh, elephants getting abused. Were that your? Um, because that part looked a bit. Uh, it looked different from the documentary. The the stills were the the, in, yeah. the recording was a bit. Uh, I could say older. Is it older yeah. or? I don't think it was much. I, yeah, I think it was a little bit older, but it wasn't much older. I, I mean, a lot of that footage we, you know, we we had to uh, we we had, we had to buy some footage, we had to acquire some footage, and we also got you know partnerships and licensing um, agreements with some people that had those that that, that photo. Um, a lot some of the photos and, and like um, we work with different animal welfare groups. We look with you know Child Safe. Um, some of the and they supplied us some footage that they had. Um, the, particularly the, the 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 tragic kind of elephant shots those are um those are under kind of uh, undercover camera so it looks a bit jittery kind of but we yeah. didn't do that no we didn't take those the, 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 that footage specifically but we worked with a lot of different organizations that helped us come together to tell the, the volunteer part of the story as well as the animal welfare side of the story okay as a businessman who has a travel business right um mm -hmm. You're pretty very successful and your business is really good and you got a big wikipedia mention about you on google so i just wondered right um what did why did you want to produce this and what do you aim to get in the long run like you know with this the last tourist well i mean the main motivation i also wrote a book in um, 2012 called um, loop tale and you know the, the same motivation for that book is the same motivation for this documentary to get a, a message about the, the potential of tourism. Um, G Adventures has been for, has been, I've been running G Adventures for 33 years now. We're 33 years old and we're a company that has, has for all these years, um, you know, what, when it wasn't cool to talk about sustainable tourism, responsible tourism and how tourism can be a form, uh, can, you know, be create poverty alleviation and also create wealth distribution if done right. If, if local communities are, Part of the dialogue in 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 creating tourism and executing and um, developing tourism, as well as you know, um, 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 the word I'm looking for is um, as you know, putting putting tourism together because they're right now they're kept out of the story, um, and you know, lo and local people benefiting. Tourism can be a transformational industry. So I get I um, for many years was aggressive on the speaker circuit. I still do probably about 20 or 30 speaking engagements a year. Uh, and I travel all over the world. I mean, I was just in Singapore last week speaking at a, another conference and I'll be going to Qatar in a couple of weeks. And I say, and I can't maintain that schedule because I have a company to run. 
Um, but I still, we still hold that message about tourism embracing its ability to be a transformational industry. And, you know, I've been saying that for 33 years as part of, and, you know, G Adventure is an example of that. But, uh, you know, as a, as a greater industry, you know, we can come together and be something, you know, incredible um, that can change the world. I believe tourism can change the world. And so this movie is that message because I can't get out there and do the, the level of speaking um, that I used to do. I used to do 40, 50 speaking engagements a year. Um, and I just can't keep at that pace. So uh, the documentary is, is, a, is a great way for us to get our message out. It's, a, it's an amazing way for people to see visually, as opposed to me standing in front of audiences speaking, um, visually see the message. And I think it's been an amazing medium um, to emotionally connect with people about what you know, tourism is. And, and, and I said, um, the pandemic has really highlighted you know, that tourism should, needs to change, you know? Um, and people are traveling differently on the other side of the pandemic. So this movie is just a tool for that and a message. Um, and it is a message of hope, but it, in order to achieve that hope, you know, there's, there are some, you know, um, you know, confronting things about the documentary to see, but, um, but you know, that, that, that's the reason we do it. We, I did, there's, there's certainly going into this and in the middle of this, and even at the end of this, when they were asking to reopen it to add the COVID, it's all budget money, uh, cost more, cost more. Um, and it was always about, um, we were never promised, you know, there was never a promise of a return on investment in this film. It strictly is um, a labor of love to get mm -hmm. the message out that the travel can be transformational for not just the traveler, for local people too. Okay, that's very good. So there was one message in the movie that you were trying to put across about the photo. Like people go to great lands to take photos with a monkey, with a koala, and you yeah. know, not knowing that how they, the animals are actually suffering about that. Yeah. So that's a good message. And, you know, I am guilty of that at times as well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th th there's a bigger, there's a, there's a few messages in there about am animal welfare in general. Yeah, there's the, there's the Instagram culture like that, that exists right now where, you know, the next generation that we're starting to prepare for in the travel industry, you know, you know, the, you know the, and saying that 29% of millennials won't travel, would never travel to a destination if they couldn't post it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a whole nother generation, a whole nother motivation to travel, and we're preparing for that. And, you know, those are the people that are, you know, want to take pictures with animals that are drugged and, you know, a, a, a tiger in Cancun or want to take a, um, but then there's a whole other side of entertainment, um, elephant riding as a form of um, entertainment. But then there's also, you know, an increasing um, demand for dolphin encounters. There's all kinds of animal uh, welfare issues uh, make, that are, are part of, you know, part of the tourism value chain that, you know, when you really look at it, and when people who um, really kind of think about it, the people that are actually creating this industry are actually people that love animals. They actually love animals, but they don't think for a minute how they how they treated that dolphin or how many dolphins died in order to find one that's docile enough to sit so you can pet it or have a bear that can ride a bike or an elephant that can kick a soccer ball, which you, um, you know, it takes, it's, it's cruel, and I hate to say it to people, and we say it in the in because most of the people that go to those shows is because they love animals. Um, but if if you if you can pet an animal or you can make it kick a soccer ball or walk on its hands, 
it's probably been tortured to make to, and that's you know I hope we're not telling anyone anything new by that message in the movie, but we show you and then you can make your decision, and that's a way in which we can you know we can transform travel again. Yeah, awesome. So finally, in your own words, how would you describe an ideal tourist, and why should every traveler aim to be one? Um, for me, um, every traveler should understand their power when they decide to, and their privilege when they decide to go on holiday. You know, um, there are very, you know, as 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 a person who can decide to go on holiday, when you think of the population on the planet, there's very few people on the planet that can just one day say, "I want to go on holiday." That, that's a huge privilege. That's a huge privilege that we have um, to have disposable income, the time, and the desire and the education to actually want to travel. Like there's so many factors that go into, and we're, and and people that can actually travel is such a small uh, percentage of people on the planet that can make that choice. So with that comes great responsibility, I think. And if and you and you, and in answer to your next question, what I would want is people to understand that power that you have when you make that decision. And that, you know, travel is a privilege. It's not a right. You have no right to anything uh, when you decide you want to go to another country. For some reason, we live our lives uh, at home in a certain way. We're all li living more responsibly at home or recycling. We're putting low-watt light bulbs and low-flush toilets. We're doing all kinds of things, 100-mile diets, or eating organically. We're doing all these things, but we suspend all, all those beliefs when we go to another country. And we, um, you know, we do constructive holidays like cruises or compound resorts that consume mass amounts of natural resources when people on the other side of those walls don't have access to clean drinking water or medical care. And we just suspend our beliefs for our holidays because we're in another country. And so what I would want is that there's a tipping point where people just match the value for their holiday time and that they understand that travel, your, your ability to travel is a privilege that you have uh, because of, of your birthright. And it's not a right. You don't have a right to anything. It's not a one-way experience where you can pay for, you know, thread counts on sheets or entertainment or Broadway shows or whatever it is to entertain you. Um, and then, or children doing dances for you in schools. Um, like, that's not your right. Travel is a privilege. And if you just change your mindset just to that, that you, you have a privilege to travel and it's not a right, that's all I'd ever want. And once people just turn that switch, they will then, there will be that tipping point where people will match their values with their holiday time. And um, that's that's what I would want. That's a very good question, by the way. Good, great, a great ending question. Very good one. Thanks. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you, Bruce, for joining us today. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. So, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us in all our social media networks. Thank you. All right.